Welcome to Script to Screen's Talks podcast. Script to Screen is a charitable organisation dedicated to developing the craft and culture of storytelling for the screen in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Part of our annual programme, the Talk series, brings the creative community together to hear inspirational speakers delve into their creative process, craft, philosophy, or the broader creative landscape. Script to Screen has partnered with the New Zealand International Film Festival to bring you a special series of talks with the filmmakers at the 2017 festival. Shuchi Kotari speaks with British filmmaker Francis Lee about his first feature film, God's Own Country. So Francis, um, just first question, kind of, you know, one that you must have answered many times, but it's something I'm keen to know, I'm sure some of you are keen to know. Um, could you talk to us a bit about the inception of the project? And I say this because you have three short films before this, two of them with topics close to this in some way, Farmer's Wife and the documentary you did. So obviously this is something, this is a world that has been in your lifeblood for a while. Yeah, um, thank you everyone for coming. It's really nice to see you. Um, yes, so um, I, as I said in the intro, I grew up on those hills, on those Pennine Hills in West Yorkshire. And um, I left though when I was 20 and I moved to London to go to college. Um, and for the whole time I was away from it, I could never get that landscape out of my head. It, it felt to have totally informed who I was emotionally and physically and, and um, what excited me and what scared me. And I had this really um, odd relationship, or maybe everybody has this relationship with the, what they call their home, where, where I felt totally creative there and free and... and um, kind of energised, but also I felt very overwhelmed by it. I felt stifled by it, oppressed. It had this brutality about it. And so when I, start, when I, when I um, started to make film, or think about making film about five years ago, um, it, was, it just felt like I had to exercise it. I had to work through it and work out why, why it was so important to me, why these people who live and work there mean so much to me. And, and at the same time, I was um, figuring out, uh, you know, that thing of falling in love. And um, it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And um, making yourself like open, vulnerable. And, and so those kind of things just collided. And that's where, where it came from. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the writing process? Because in one random place, and I just want to believe it's fake news. So please don't tell me it's real. <laughs> But somewhere I'd read that the first draft was four days. And I just thought, I'm giving up writing. That's it. If somebody can write this in four days, I don't want to know him. He's not a good man. And I'm going to stop writing. Uh, I mean, OK. So the physical writing of it took four days. Um, I thought about it for six months beforehand. And I, and I couldn't write without working it all out. So I knew who they were what they wanted, where they were going, what was pre preventing them from getting what they wanted. And I also knew the beginning, the middle and the end. And then I just filled in the blanks. Uh, um, yeah, and uh, so I wrote it in four days and then I took about six days just to fanny about with it a bit and make it readable and yeah. Um, 
to, to push that a bit further, when you say you wrote it in four days and you'd worked it out in your head, that six months of, you know, living with it, living with the characters and situations, um, when you wrote it, when you sat down to write, did you um, just go, this is my story? Or had you done a lot of character bio work? Because I want to talk a little bit to the audience who I'm sure will find it fascinating how you worked with the actors later. Mm. And I'm, I'm assuming some of that was already a big part of your prep before mm. the writing happened. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I kind of, I love detail and I love um, precision. And so I'd worked out who these people were in a lot of detail in my head. And so, um, yeah, it, it, so, so when I write, it, 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 the process of writing, I, I, I can only type with one finger. And, um, and so it's, it's a really laborious Which process. Which one? This one. <laughs> and, it's a really, and it's really loud, it's like this. Um, and it's, so it's a really laborious, dull process for me, so I just have to get through it as quickly as possible. Um, and that, that's why it's quick. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like that as a reason. I write in four days because I just use one finger. Um, that for me would have meant like seven year writing projects, <laughs> you know. Um, so, um, you know, we, we all saw this and we felt it and we felt it in our, uh, you know, under our skin. How um, this detail that you talk about, you know, in the performance and um, the place and the work, and it's just incredible. It's not something you get to see on film very often because we get to see the vistas and we get to see the big picture, and then occasionally we kind of hone in on something. So, um, before we talk about some of your aesthetic choices in shooting the film, could you tell us a bit about this, this way in which you work with actors, which perhaps comes from you being an actor for so long? Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I was an actor. I don't, I don't know if I ever said that, but I was an actor. I wasn't a particularly good actor. Um, but you did a lot. I did. You must be good. I was, no, I was lucky. Um, I, like, it, it, yeah, it... Anyway, I had kind of fallen out of love with it years before I'd given it up. So I just had like arguments all the time on set or in rehearsal rooms with directors. Um, and I always knew I wanted to write and tell stories visually, but I never had the confidence to sit down and do it. So what informed me of working with actors was understanding what it feels like to, st first of all, to stand in front of a camera. Um, and, and it's the most exposing, vulnerable position of anybody on a set. Um, and I, from a very early age, I had worked from a character point of view. I'd always understood that when you, when you start a job, an acting job, what you do is you totally investigate who that person is. You work out everything from the moment they were born until the moment you see them. In, in, the, in the piece, in the script, whatever. And you work out every single detail. And I don't like surprises, so I, like, I, I would have to know everything. Mm -hmm. And so that's the process I did with the two main boys, is that we worked for three months before the shoot, and we worked everything out from the moment they were born until the moment we see them in the film, in huge detail. So by the time they turned up on set, they knew everything about, about their characters which makes them feel very secure mm -hmm. in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel very secure that we have this knowledge together and that we can then communicate about what the scene is about or where they're at as a character. But also it means you can work really quickly. Mm. So you don't have to rehearse. You don't have to sit around and go, oh, what's, why are they doing this? Yeah, yeah. You just go, okay, great, so we're here, we understand the scene, mm. you know, 
off you go. And, and again, I, you know, every, I like to work quick, so I only shoot maybe one or two takes per setup. Um, and you can do that if you've done all the prep, yeah. because everybody's ready to go. Mm. You know. um, something that I found amazing um, in, in reading about um, one of your interviews, Francis, is how you kept them apart. Mm. So it was not like you, you worked with them for three months, but do you want to talk about that a little mm. bit? Because I think it's fantastic and you see that as such a great payoff in the film. Yeah, so I, like, again, any, I knew this film would live or die by that central relationship. And so anything I could do to help it and help those boys deliver that, I would do. So I worked with them individually on their characters to begin with. And they, they, I think they'd only met once in the chemistry tests when we were casting. And then when we came to shooting it, um, I wanted to shoot chronologically. Um, and so... Which, which was ideal because it meant I could keep them apart. Oh. And Josh lived up on my dad's farm and um, Alec lived down in the town and they didn't really meet um, until they met on screen. That's and that just added that kind of extra, tiny little bit of extra frisson, nervousness, mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, as performers, but also as characters when they were starting to discover each other. And as soon as they, their characters hit it off in the film, I moved them into the same house. And they built up this incredible, beautiful bond, this friendship, because the house was quite isolated. So it was only them. Um, and that really paid off in the film, because they, they had this trusting bond. And then when Georgi leaves That's to go to the Scottish potato farm, I sent Alec off on a lovely holiday in London. <laughs> and, uh, and Josh was left on his own being really sad and lonely. And so when he, when he turned up again to meet, um, when Johnny turns up to meet Georgi at the potato farm, Josh hadn't seen Alec and he was like, oh, here's my friend. Yeah. So all of those things just kind of help. But that's, that's in a way kind of a actor's director, right? The actors would have loved that because mm. that's luxury to, to have yeah. somebody who understands that, who works that way. For those in the audience who are not filmmakers, when um, Francis talks about shooting chronologically, he's referring to the fact that in film, when you shoot, you obviously don't shoot how you're going to see the film. You will, your seventh scene is shot on day one and your climax could be shot on day two and then you go back to shooting something from day seven. So you're shooting completely out of, you know, out of sequence. And this luxury of shooting chronologically means that your actors are building that relationship and emotion as you are shooting, yeah. which, and was that something you um, had always decided you would do? Is that part of how you managed to convince your, because this is, you know, from, from a filmmaker's perspective, this would be a wonderful thing to, to, to be able to um, have as part of your contract. I mean, it wasn't part of my contract, <laughs> but, um, but the power, one of the, one of the advantages of making your first film in your dotage is that you, you've like had a bit of life experience and you, you know the power of no. And so I was able to push through getting to shoot chronologically. Because I, I, I mean, which is not to say you wouldn't have made this amazing film had you not done that. But for me, somehow I believe that that really, that you, you've been able to, you know, step by step take them through something that we see and we are moved by, which um, would be, I think, a lot harder to pull off. Not that Absolutely. one couldn't, but, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, also, you know, um, it, re it really helped because Josh, who plays Johnny, got very, very sick in week four. 
And he'd already dropped some weight to play the character, but he got this terrible, um, awful sickness bug, and we had to shut down for five days, and he lost a lot of weight. And if I hadn't have shot chronologically, and it happened just as Georgi had left. Right. And if I, and it, for me, it really adds yes, because he looks really drawn, drawn and yeah. sad and fed up yeah. and all of that. But if I hadn't have shot chronologically, it would have it would have been, been a lot more obvious. Yeah. 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 Um, there was a there was a very interesting you know part of of what we saw because we don't see in films this um, detail and rigor of work of labour. What's going on in the farm is not just, you know, I'll shove a little bit of hay here and a feed here and a little bit of milking here. It's, it's very visceral, it's detailed, it's everyday, it's hard. Mm. And um, you, from what I understand, you put them through a kind of a farming boot camp. Mm. And would you share that with us? And I sound so mean as a director, don't I? <laughs> um, it's not the meanest thing I did. Um, but um, yeah, so it, again, so I love authenticity and truth. And I knew and I love watching films where I feel totally immersed in the world. And I don't get pulled out of it for any reason. And so I knew I, as a viewer, I never wanted to be pulled out of it. So I knew I couldn't use any stunt doubles or hand doubles. And the boys had to do everything. So for two weeks, they went and worked on farms. Um, uh, Alec worked with my dad and Josh worked on the farm where we shot the film. And also I knew actors, you know, sometimes they can just stand around and go, oh, yeah, so you do it like that, do you? And they take a note. <laughs> so I made them work like nine, ten-hour shifts every day for two weeks. And, <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they learned everything. They did everything. They birthed lambs, they built walls, they mucked out. And, and not only did it, did it like obviously totally work because they became so comfortable, comfortable. with the work and knowledgeable, but also the, the environment got into their bones. Mm. So, they, so it changed them physically. So they were, they were cold, they were wet, they were tired, they were sore. Mm. And that started to change them physically. And therefore that impacted on how, their physicalities as characters, which I, I really liked. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a nice kind of, you know, moment in, um, you, you talk about working through all the details with them, with both actors, you know, right from where were you born, what happened, you know, first relationships, not, what, what do you like, how do you take your tea, you know, all these details that make people, people sanguine, bloody real. And then at one point, um, I read somewhere where you said, for dialogue, I don't like improvisation. That I, so you can improvise with action, you can improvise, you know, but not with the words. Mm. And I found that, re I understand it. I, I think I understand what you mean by that. Um, but I thought it was very curious. And um, would you talk to us about that a yeah. bit? Yeah, so particularly for this film, um, I, I felt that there's the, the word, the, the di there was such little dialogue that what dialogue there was had to be very carefully crafted. And it had to be, um, and, and so I spent a lot of time working on it. And when actors improvise, even, even when they've had all this understanding of who they are and their characters and all of that, there is, again, a propensity to just talk. And I knew that, I, that that could take us down an awful lot of rabbit holes. And so I wanted the precision and the precise rhythm 
of the text that I had written. You know, um, that accent has a very particular rhythm. Um, and so, yeah, that's why they weren't allowed to. I'm very controlling. Mm. Uh, but but this is this is how uh, people do often think that those who improvise or those who work in this kind of very you know um, long prep way that everything is loosey goosey. But it's actually the exact opposite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very it's really super interesting. Well, it is to me. Um, the you know um, so I work as an actor. I work with a filmmaker called Mike Lee who who starts with no script at all and you build a character and then you improvise the scenes and people think, oh, right, yeah. so you improvise the scenes and then you film them. Actually, no, no that's no. not what happens. No. You do these incredibly long improvisations and then Mike will watch them and then he will condense it and condense it and condense it until he has the scene. And then you can't deviate, deviate from, from it. it. And, you know, it's a very precise method. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, you know... I, I want. I very much wanted them to stick to the yeah. dialogue. Um, in terms of creating these characters, you know, you obviously had them very precisely worked out, and then you started to talk to the two actors about them. Um, did they bring things that were different from yeah. how you'd imagined? So the way in which I approached it was we took the script as the Bible and I said, okay, so we will write... Sorry, this is so technical. But the, it, I said, we will write down everything that your character says about themselves, everything that they say about somebody else and everything that um, other people say about them. And then we will go through the script and write down all the facts that are in it that we know about them. So they are the things that we had. Like those are those are just facts, and those are and they're also a sense of who they are, and then all the other stuff came from the actors. So how they right. got there, in a right. sense. Right. Yeah. So when things get too technical, we always bring <laughs> sex, right? Because then it's not technical, or can should not be technical. Um, so. Um, well, I could just you know toss it out and say, so how was that? But. Um, but how did you approach it? <laughs> I'm trying to sound very, you know, um, gentle about this. How did you approach it? W working with the actors? Oh, no, sex in life in general. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, working with actors, of course, Francis. Um, so, I was, I was really open and honest from the get-go. So when I, met, when I met boys for both roles, uh, casting, first castings, I, I, I had this little speech that I would give. You know, it, it, like, it, we will be doing what is written in the script. It was very detailed in the script, those, those, um, those scenes. We will be doing it for real. There will be nudity. The, these are the reasons why. And so from the get-go, everybody who came to meet me knew that was the case. And then when, when actually they were not that difficult to do. So I'd built, because I'd done all this work with the boys before mm. the shoot, we'd built this great bond. Um, and trust, and I had been totally upfront with them and said, oh, you are my priority, I will protect you yeah. above everything. Um, and um, that allowed them to feel very confident in being vulnerable. And then we just choreographed them. We did it like a dance. You yeah. just do moves yeah. very mechanically. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, two three. three. And then I only shot those scenes, I think, twice. 
So mm. that that's I'm sure that was. But you did say that you don't do multiple takes no. of of so, <laughs> no, of anything. Um, so for this one more than any other, I'm sure they were deeply grateful. Yeah. Than, um, also, I managed to schedule again. Sorry, technical boring nonsense. But I managed to schedule to get them scheduled in order. First scene of the day. So all the sex scenes were first scene of the day. So they're not worrying about it. They're not all day, all yeah. day worrying. All gone. I still got to, to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the, the working with animals, which is actually more difficult than sex. Mm. You know, it's it's really hard mm. to work with animals. So um, how did you approach that and what kind of help did you have? Well, I had my dad. And was I, he your animal wrangler on the wasn't, project? No, but my dad's friend, he didn't have time, but my dad's friend was, Martin. And so he was there and he's, again, you know, super pragmatic, always been around animals, um, know how they work, how they don't work. And actually it was, it was, pretty, um, it was pretty straightforward. It wasn't, it wasn't too hard dealing with the animals. Yeah. Yeah. So all those kind of scenes, you know, the birthing scenes and you just... With the, with the birthing of the lamb that Alec did, um, so the, film, the, the farm we shot on is a working sheep farm. And obviously we're shooting in spring. I delayed shooting for a year so I could shoot at lambing time. And he has, I guess, 1,500 sheep. And I had a word with him and said, look, when you see one about to pop, give me a shout. <laughs> and this, this is what filmmakers have to do, right? And, uh, like... and so he, like, he'd come and get me and go, oh, one's going to go now. And so we go, OK, great, yeah, off we go. Let's shoot it, coming out. And, and for a scene like that, how many people, what, what's your crew size, you know, when you're shooting those kinds of scenes, which have a... a the intimate ones. Yeah. Oh, small, super small. So DP, uh, boom operator, and uh, someone usually from costume for the sex So that's scenes. your cinematographer, your sound, and one costume person, yeah. which is really intimate and small. Yeah, and um, then you block out all the monitors. People aren't allowed to be around. Uh, you know, I... I I, one of the, it was a, it, it was a, it was one of the considerations when I employed the, the cinematographer that not only is he incredible and an artist in his own right, but he's a super lovely man, and I knew he would build a bond with the boys, uh, because I knew the camera was going to be so close so to close, them, yeah. and so that worked very well. And the camera is very close. I, if you notice that, you hear and see everything, and it's a, it's a, one of those films. I thought you know where all the. Um, the bodily fluids and the spit and the mucus and the, it's all there and it's not ugly. It's not ugly and it's not romanticized. So that's such a kind of a clever thin edge of a blade that you're walking on, you know, where it's not yeah. just made pretty. No. And it's not ugly and horrible and kind of puts you off. No, and it's like, I don't want to give you too much detail, but it is all real as well, all the bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting very interesting. Not for you, perhaps, but um, um, but it is. It, it was an aesthetic. Obviously, it's an aesthetic choice. Just you know that you you keep us with Johnny mm. all the time. Absolutely, yeah. I knew I never wanted to leave him. Yeah. I wanted to see this world through him. Yeah. I wanted to go on that journey with him. Yeah. So we, st you know, and we did shoot. I, I like very quickly. I realised that the wide shots we were shooting, I was hating because I never wanted to leave his side. But we carried on shooting them, because you have to, um, in case it all goes tits up. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I loved yeah. being... I never just never wanted yeah. to leave his side. I just, you know, I wanted yeah. to be there and go through it with him. 
Because the expectation when you do something in a place like Yorkshire, you know, you want to, see, you think that you want to see these wide shots of the moors and the plains and the beautiful undulating, you know, and you, you realize that you don't need any of that. You get that sense of a place so strongly just by being, you know, yeah, one was, foot around the character. Absolutely. It was something that I wanted, because I, I had always uh, seen Yorkshire shot in big, bucolic, Ooh. beautiful, pastoral wide shots, and I had never experienced it like that. And, um, and so for me, it was about looking at the effect the landscape has on the characters in the close-up. And the only wide shot is when we see it, when he really sees it for the mm. first time. Yes, and, 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 and he's shown it. Yes, right? exactly. He doesn't even see it. No. It's Alec who says, you know, see this, it's beautiful. Like, yeah. how beautiful is this? Yeah. And, and that's when he kind of looks up, you exactly. know, for the, the first time. Yeah. I thought that was very beautiful and moving that he'd never had the energy, the time, or the, um, um, you know, life is hard for Johnny for, yeah. for many reasons. And he'd never stood back and said, hey, I, I'm in such a gorgeous place. Yeah, completely. Um, and uh, one last question from me, and then we'll open it up to the floor. Um, you know, these, these films are, are such a beautiful film, but selling these kinds of films has never been easy, largely because, you know, these are not your... They, they can't compete with Marvel and all of that. But um, at the same time, you know, I, I was thinking about this film, and of course, you do think of Brokeback Mountain. You do. You, there's no way not to, yep. you know. And I loved Brokeback Mountain. I thought it was a lovely film. For me, this is better for me than Brokeback Mountain because it's life-affirming. It's of a different time. It's yes. now. It's contemporary. But it, it allows them happiness. It allows possibility. And it's not about, um, oh you know, I'm queer, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> and I thought it's a bit like, reminded me of this moment where when the film started and I thought, oh, is it about a self-loathing homosexual? Is this what I'm going to see? And I say that because he has sex and he comes home and the, and the cow's dead. Right. So it's very punitive in that sense because you, you think of all the narratives from early Hollywood and, you know, uh, uh, Mildred Pierce and all those kind of melodramas where the woman had sex and, God, you, she came home and a child was dead or something, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be one of those and I hope it's not because I don't want it to be that narrative. And then, of course, it's not, though it happens twice because he's off with... Um, um, when he's with um, Georgis, when his father has, um, you know, um, um, a, heart, a, a stroke... And, um, but what was so beautiful about this, I thought, is that moment when I think someone told Larry David that you're such a self-loathing Jew. And he said, I'm self-loathing, being Jewish has nothing to do with it. And I thought Johnny's self-loathing had nothing to do with the fact that he was queer, no. that what he didn't accept about himself and his place and his relationship, his dad, you know, all the kind of trauma was not about the fact that I I'm gay. And I thought that was just brilliant and thank you. Oh. No, thank you. Um, yes, that was my mission. So I'm glad that came across. I, um, I don't know, you know, I think there's a lot of room for coming out stories and people, around, stories around sexuality, but it wasn't, it just wasn't um, anything I had ever been through, really, or it, it always felt like the least interesting part about me. Um, I'm not saying other bits are more interesting, but, um, uh, but um, yeah, so I wanted to tell a story about someone, you know, uh, like... Who's struggling yeah. to fall in love. Yeah, 
and it's tough, yeah. right? But at the same time, how would you feel if someone just gone, obviously said, oh God, it's a universal film, it's got nothing to do with being gay, it's just about love, it's just about love, because that would piss me off too. Yeah, I think it's super important they're two men. You know, I think that, that I, was, I was looking at some, something around masculinity as well and stuff. Um, you know, I, like I just make the film, I just made the film the yeah. best way I possibly could and, and people can, they can talk yeah. about it, you know. And, and I think it's time to talk it. about it. Yeah. So let's open this up and see if you have questions that Francis would gladly answer. Hi, Francis. Hi. 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 First off, I love your beard. Thank you. <laughs> Um, secondly, I, the end credits, Yes. was that your family? No, sadly my family could never have afforded a camera, let alone processing. So, um, no, that's archive footage from this uh, place in the UK called Lincolnshire. Um, yeah, Similar area from where you're from? Um, more arable than livestock. And also just casting, your mm. casting was brilliant. Oh, good. Um, how did you manage to get those guys, because it's such, you know... The was, young actors or the older ones? Uh, the, the two men, the two boys. Yeah, just, um, I think they were just really super excited by the script. And, um, and, and I think that, um, yeah, they just wanted to... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stopping myself from going. And then they met me and they were really convinced. Um, but um, no. And they... they did meet you and they knew how you worked. <laughs> yeah. And actors feel so happy if somebody gives them a chance to work the way you work because yeah. it does not happen. No, and also you get, they got to exercise a lot of acting muscles. And I think that was, that was the thing as well that they. They but did really... you audition a lot of young men for jo before you for cast Johnny. John? For Yeah, before you cast Josh. Um, not... That's Johnny's character. Yeah, not too many, because lots of boys wouldn't... Go there. ...wouldn't come and meet mm. me um, after they'd read it. Um, so, not, not... I mean, enough. Mm. Yeah, mm. And lots mm. of very good ones, mm. you know. Um, yeah, maybe 20. M like, maybe 40 Romanians mm -hmm. for, for uh, Georgi. Yes. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your film. Thank I'm interested you. in the title. Um, you're most probably aware that you're in God's own country right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it also applies to South Africa, doesn't it, and other places. Yeah. Maybe it's just rural places. So I'm just interested in, in how you came about this particular title. Yeah, no, like, I totally agree. I do think I am in God's own country. Um, <laughs> it is a beautiful... Uh, New Zealand is incredible. Um, yes, so there are plenty of places called God's own country. There's... Um, Kerala. Kerala, I was about to say. Yeah, there's uh, Australia and weirdly, USA. Um, but also, Yorkshire is known as God's own country to proud Yorkshire people. And it was a phrase I'd always grown up with and felt very proud about and stuff. But also, for me, it always had like a little double meaning because oh. I, I felt that it, it could possibly mean, you know, like a, a, a heaven or a place of incredible beauty and stuff that you can define for yourself. You can make it wherever. Mm. It felt very universal in that sense. Yes. Was it the first time those young men had done any nude scenes? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know, actually. Um, so you never asked them? No. <laughs> 
Um, nude scenes. In interestingly, it was the nude scenes that really bothered them much more than anything else. Mm. Everything else they were cool with. Oh, apart from getting in that lake. Oh. <laughs> they were very unhappy about that. Um, it was very cold. But, um, yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. Yes. First. Um, I'm interested in the shooting chronologically, that decision, and whether it had an impact that you notice on not just the actors, but also the crew <laughs> and their understanding and the way that they told the story in their roles as yeah. well. Yeah, no, thank you. It was, it was, it was very difficult for the crew. Um, particularly the art department, um, because they were having to prep maybe, I don't know, four or five locations a day, um, and that's a lot, you know, um, and they kept having to run with it, in a sense, and keep going and, and all of that. So, yes, that was difficult, mainly art department, I think, and... Um, Lighting, probably. Costume were great, because they literally just bought, like, hundreds of the same costumes. Right. Um, so after each, they, they always had a clean pair in case they'd got muddy or mm. something in the one before. Mike. Thank you, Francis. Really enjoyed it. It oh, was amazing. You. Beautiful. Um, and hi, Shuchi. <laughs> um, I, I, did I miss it? Was there artificial lighting? Did you actually have... I mean, because it didn't look like it. I mean, did you...? There, um, not particularly, no. Yeah. It was our mission not to use artificial lighting. There is some help with the lighting. Right. Um, particularly up on, when they're up on the moor around that, around that um, shelter. But, it, but they, it wasn't, they weren't um, electric lights. They, they, it was just, we, we boosted it with, um, I don't know what they call them. Bounce it, you need to bounce it. No, you know those um, garden, you know when you have a party in your garden, if you're lucky enough yeah, to have yeah, a garden, yeah. and like, and you, you have a thing on a stick. Those sticky and, lamps, sticky and you lamps. light it, yeah. so it's a flame. Yeah, yeah. So we use that to help boost the campfire flame. Right. And the, just the use of the practicals is great, though, in the film, isn't it? Because I think one scene that I remember so clearly is when Yorgi, um, he changes the light bulb, is mm. it? He just, and that's, something shifts, you know, in that moment between them, between, so I was just thinking, like, clever use of, you know, what you aesthetically decided yeah. to not have, you know, artificial lights, but use the lights you had. Yes, In, to in tell. great storytelling. Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, it's on. Uh, you describe your process, the whole idea of creating the biography from when they were born, if, if I got it right, and um, in so much detail. So I've got the sense, and I wondered, that an incredible amount of uh, information, backstory, and even from going forward, from what we've seen, still exists. And I'm just wondering what, what that's like for you, to have all this detail, all this information that went into the creating of the film, but in a sense lingers and is still potent. You mean in terms of...? Well, is the... I don't want to put it crudely, but, you know, the, the idea of a sequel, what happens oh, next, no. or... Yeah. No, I, like, my favourite part of the film, perversely, <laughs> is that last shot when they slam the door. Mm. Um, and to me, that's them going, OK, yeah. we've, you've hung out with us, you've seen what we've been yeah. through now. 
fuck off. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and I and I really like that. Um, you know, I don't I don't imagine. I don't. I, yeah, I don't spend any time thinking about what happened next. But does that, if if one does see a kind of a link from your shorts to this one, does one see or imagine a link from this to your next project, or do you want to do something very? Um, I think the next different? project is very much linked to landscape, and is character driven, and uh, and is an intimate portrait of somebody. But those would that would be it. It's not in Yorkshire. It's not on a farm. Um, yeah. I don't know if someone pisses or not yet, but okay. I'll let you I know. I think they will. I think they will. <laughs> I think they will. Yeah. The next one, I, I, yeah, it's not, hasn't got one at the moment. Yes. Um, I noticed in the credits that there was a listing for a dialect coach. Yeah. And I just wondered which of the dialects, which of the actors then didn't have the native dialect? None of them. None of them? No. Yes. Oh, apart, sorry. Sorry. Apart from uh, Alec, who plays Georgi, he is Romanian. Yeah. But he, we, he's, he's, <laughs> his English is super good, and like, so I had to make him be more Romanian. <laughs> but he, we, he could do that on his own. Everyone else um, needed a bit of help. But I, hilariously, uh, Josh, like, so Josh, who plays Johnny, he um, stayed with the accent the whole time we were shooting. And he went to Asda, which is like a supermarket in the local town. And he was talking like this to a shop assistant. And you can tell how bad an actor I was. I'm from Yorkshire, and that's a terrible Yorkshire accent. <laughs> and, um, and, he, and he was like chatting to her and stuff. And then eventually she said, you're not from round here, are you? And he went, oh, God, she's been rumbled me. <laughs> but, he didn't, but he didn't come out of the accent. He just went, well, what, what, what do you mean? And, and she went, you're not from round here. And, uh, and she went, you're from Bingley. And that oh, is literally five minutes down the road. <laughs> and he came out and he went, yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great story. I can just see how that made his day. Yeah. Um, you're from Bingley. Um, yes. Uh, hi, Francis. Hi. Um, uh, one of my favourites, favourite movies uh, so far of the festival. Oh, thank you very much. Had gotten the opportunity to see quite a few. Um, but I just wanted to talk to you about, because I've, over the past couple of years, I've been trying to watch as many, um, I guess you would say, queer-themed themed films as, as much as I can, uh, looking back from, like, the 60s, when it was still something that wasn't quite acknowledged in films, and just, um, just the idea of that whole period of any movies with LGBT characters where it felt like a lot of their narratives were geared toward this tragic sort of hero where, you know, it, often their, their stories would end in tragedy. And even up until quite recently, even Brokeback Mountain kind of has a sort of tragic end to itself. And that a film like this has, I guess, more of an affection in wanting its characters to find happiness and to succeed. And did you ever consider that as far as where this story kind of fits into this whole pantheon of uh, narratives about LGBT people in, in films? I mean, not, not, not particularly. I personally was slightly tired of seeing 
the um, the film a film with the same sex relationship where it would end like with Bad. suicide or tragically or unrequited or rejected, you know? Yeah, and and I and and but I am a huge fan of hope. And I love hope. And I think that, you know, um, I think these two characters work so hard, particularly Johnny, for the, for, for the payoff. And mm. I would have felt perverse to me to, yes. not, to not give him that. Um, yeah, I, I... And it hasn't been my personal experience of, you know, being, like, rejected all the time and stuff. So for me, it just felt really natural. It felt very organic to the world and, and, and those boys, but um, yeah. It's so interesting, sorry, this is slightly academic. Though, like, if you go back to the, eight, uh, the 80s, like, the queer films were fit, felt to be much more progressive in terms of the characters they were representing than we're even doing now, in a sense. People were still getting used to the idea of uh, seeing characters like this in a non-dramatic sense and also actually maybe getting, uh, getting the happiness that they want. Yeah. But I think, I think where, uh, Francis, your work is just, you know, it's exceptional because it's, it's not just about the fact that it's life-affirming. It is life-affirming, of course, but it's life-affirming in a very real way. Right. So the change that Johnny goes through is such a, it's the turn of the screw. It really right? is, yeah. And, and that is hard. That's very hard. It's, it's joyous to watch when someone delivers that on screen, but it's very hard to do because the minute you make something life-affirming, you have to then feel you have those moments of, you know, change and those moments of realisation. But to do them in this very small, believable, beautiful way... It's um, very hard when you've, got a, when you've got a really inarticulate character who has to, at some point got to articulate mm. some emotion. That is so hard. That, mm. that, that was tricky, that scene, that last scene between him and... Um, oh, it was fantastic Yogi. because every cinema cliché was telling you your ears were ready to hear a sorry... Right? And he doesn't I know. say sorry. I know. And, and I was like, that is so wonderful. I know. That, because we are just trained to, to, for that moment to turn into a, a real apology as we understand apologies. You know? I know, it was, it was really hard to find that, um, yeah, that moment. And, um, yeah. And also for me, I thought one of those moments was when he's um, um, helping his father in the bath, mm. which is, you know, that. That again, that one of the turns of the screw for me was that moment when you know that something between them is repaired. Yeah. Um, which was always there. The love was always there. But yeah. that strain of, you know, feeling I'm failing my father by every minute and the father not being happy with his situation yeah. and then taking it out on the son. But in that moment, in that bathtub, you know, something got fixed. Yeah. And um, that also, felt, at least from my perspective, enabled, you know, Johnny to... Um, you know, if I was in the US, I'd say it healed him. Mm. But but um, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, so no, it's a absolutely. Very yeah. Potent. Um, um, anything else that you want to? Yes, please. Hi there. Um, Hi. Thanks for the film. I did think something could 
Pip, um, Pip the Call Me By My Name, another movie that didn't focus on sex, you know, like you always find all the gay movies, uh, you know, a lot of sex-driven stuff. So it's refreshing to see something that's, you know, focusing on something a little bit more, um, you know, uh, a different take. Thank you. Um, so, um, so the question is basically kind of like behind the scenes kind of things. And we've seen the film and we all love it. But uh, were there any moments uh, during prep time or um, during filming that you had um, either you or the actors had a, a, a special moment? You know, like like when you had one of those things where you just had to be quiet for a little while, or you just something was just so sublime. You mean something that was, like, super good? Well, yeah, yeah. Not to... <laughs> like yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't got the DVD yet. Um, in the edit, maybe. Pardon? Maybe in the edit, during the editing process, did you have one of those moments of... <sighs> you know, I, like, I'm so sorry. This is so <laughs> dull. Like, so I was so lucky because I shot every scene in the script... Mm. And, every, and when we got into the edit, every scene worked. And we didn't have to cut around anything. So we didn't have to cut around any mistakes or any acting, bad acting or anything like that. And it just, oh, be that's just... And it just became about like making, uh, never repeating a beat and always keeping the story moving. Um, I'm trying to think of something really lovely that happened. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? Do you know what is so super lovely um, that came out of this film was I started to work with these two boys, these two actors, as a director and as actors. And at the end of it, I left with like two best friends. They're like they're amazing, and we still have such a close, incredible uh, relationship and bond. And um, I feel very blessed to have met them and worked with them and have them in my life now as, as uh, close friends. So that would, that would be the thing for me that came out of it. Yes. One of the things I really liked about the film was the length of it. Oh. Because a lot of the festival films are quite short. Oh. And sometimes you don't want them to end. And there were a couple of times in the film Oh, good. It, yeah, you know, the, the length, thank you. The length of it is something I never found out because my editor was very, um, uh, very um, strict on me not knowing how long the film was because he didn't want me to edit to time. Mm. Um, he just wanted to edit to story. So I've no, I still, I think, I think it's, it's over an hour and I think it's less than two, but I don't know somewhere around there. I don't know, but thank you. That's a, just a lovely thing to remember, that you edit to story, not edit to time, you know, because you do get caught up in, is it going to be 90 minutes? Does it sit here? Does it sit in this category or that category um, with exhibition yeah, in yeah. particular? So it's yeah. a lovely, um, yes. Hey, thanks, Francis. Thank you. really amazing. Um, I mean, New Zealand's got this history of doing rural noir, and I, I wonder whether that influenced you at all. Um, and I, I, I guess, personally, I found it quite reparative to see kind of a, a life-affirming story in a rural setting. So, um, and... Yeah, sorry, what you're asking me is... Well, you know, it's like 
I don't know whether you're familiar with New Zealand film history in terms like vigil and piano, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I w- look, the reason I've got such muddy boots is because I went to that beach where they, they, they shot the piano. Ah. It was amazing. This morning at six o'clock, I saw the sunrise. Well, not quite, but it was really lovely. Um, so you're asking me about um, New Zealand film influences. I'm afraid I've only, I can only think of two I've seen, which is The Piano and Hunt for the Wilder People, which um, I really loved. Oh, and isn't um, What We Do in the Shadows? That's right. Yeah, so I've seen which that as well. Which is brilliant, yeah. Um, for me, it was about being respectful of those rural communities. And, you know, I've, sometimes people have asked me, you know, wouldn't these people be, like, non-accepting of Johnny and, and his sexuality and things like that, which always baffles me because yeah. of this pre- presumption that people who live in rural areas are, you know, I don't know, homophobic, racist, yeah. sexist, backward. And that's never been my experience, you know. Those are... Whatever the they are, those are my people and that's my community and, um, and I feel very blessed to be there. But I should watch more New Zealand films, I think I should take from this question. Um, and I will go home and order the box set. <laughs> <laughs> I was also curious about the, the lamb, putting the lamb's, dead lamb's coat onto the live lamb and whether that had a metaphoric something, Absolutely. which I still haven't quite figured out. So yeah. does it, is it a metaphoric to For you? For me, yes. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Um, you know, I think Georg is a very caring, I would say maternal character. Mm. And I think that that, for me, is the absolute metaphor of what he is providing or could provide for John. Had you seen that before? Yes, yes. I grew up with it. I, yeah. yeah, because I, I was <laughs> talking to a friend of mine and, and he grew up on a farm and he was saying, you did this, he said, that's the thing, you do. Yeah. That's you. And I, obviously, you know, for me, it was completely new and I was just blown away how... Um, and Alec like, did that in one take as well, that, hot, that skinning of that lamb. Yeah, my dad taught him. <laughs> Your dad is... I know, right? Just... I think we, we all, all of us who have any aspirations should be lining up to learn if that's, I mean, honestly, because that three months is nothing. The deaf, you know, the, the way they actually were using their hands and working, you think that they'd, you know, um, spent way more than three months prepping for this role. It's just they, incredible. They, they, the boys are very, very, very different to the characters. Mm. They're, they're both big, transformative performances. So Alec would do this as Georgi. He would birth the lamb or he would cut the thing. And he would be really pragmatic and practical and he'd do it as Georgi. And then I'd go, OK, cut. And he'd get up and he'd walk into the corner and have a little cry. You know, he found it very emotional as a, as a person to do those things. And, and I was blown away by that detachment he was able to have to play that character. Yeah, they're both very special. And, and Josh had just seen in the Durrell um, <laughs> series before this one. So for me, it was just like this completely, yeah. you know, different... Um, Josh is, yeah, Josh is like the smiliest, funniest, sweetest, most beautiful boy around. He's funny and self-deprecating and, you know, he's, he's the total and, and very posh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, um, the, other, the, the other element for me that just was incredible was the sound in the film. I don't know if you experienced this and, you know, the Civic is a great theatre to watch it in, but just those beautiful... Um, soundscape and the detail of, of 
all kinds, you know, mechanical sounds, but then all the animals and there were birds and there was, but it was just constant, it was amazing. It felt like scored where it's, yeah. you know, um, and I was wondering if this was, is this something you love doing? Yes. Do you, I've not seen your shorts, so I don't know. Yeah, sound is something that excites me massively. I've got really sensitive hearing and, um, and I wanted to make a soundscape rather than have music. And so I, my poor sound uh, designer had to go to Yorkshire for a long time and record banks, like hours and hours of atmospheres. And so I could play with them and build them. And the, the sound is absolutely constructed. It's orchestrated. It is not natural mm -hmm. in terms of that was the sound when we shot when the film. Shot, yeah. So every bird, like every bird sound is very specifically placed. The bird, all the birds have meaning to me. Um, they all have a metaphor. Um, Georgi comes with his own wind sound. So when he arrives, he has his own specific wind sound. And then when he leaves, he, we, we, we leave this wind sound to almost remind Johnny of this person who's gone. Um, and, and the sound is so loud like that. It, it was so... It's so exciting to do it. I loved it. And did you think about all of that um, in that level of detail uh, during the scripting process? And I know this is a weird question given that, you know, you had a four-day writing process, but um, that whole time of thinking about the project and then writing it down was sound something that you had thought of as a character? Because it is a character mm. for me. I mean, that's how I hear it. It's just the clanging of things and mm. it's so... Um, so the script is incredibly detailed, you know, this, and everything you see on screen or hear is is written. So, so the, again, sorry, this is like how precise and, and controlling I am. It, 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 so every everything is written down. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I thought Wait. the characters in the film were incredible. Oh, thank um, you. Alec was someone you instantly like, whereas Josh, his character at the beginning, I, I, you know, I felt alienated from him. I didn't particularly like him. I didn't like the way he treated Alec. And then you're carried on his shoulder the whole way through, and the other characters sort of contribute to your relationship with him to the point at the end you're kind of, you're willing him, you're sort of shouting at him to say something. Was his, the, you know, the first character that you developed and the other characters developed around him? And did you consider what you give to the other characters, because I love that tender moment when you see Gemma Jones sniffing the shirt. So, you know, the characters, do they stem from Josh's character, Johnny? Yeah. Yeah, jo Johnny was the person that I started um, thinking about and um, living with. And then everything built up around him. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a troubled boy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sorry, I just like that. No, and, and also I think I agree with you, it takes a while to warm to him, right? Because there, there is a way in which you like everybody else, you see everybody else, you understand. And I think you understand him, but it's a difference between understanding somebody and liking them. And it took me a while to like Johnny. Um, um, and I was scared actually at one point because I'm so used to these narratives where of, of things not working out, you know, of someone losing the plot, of, of this always being a troubled relationship that stays troubled. So there were moments in the film where I was very worried that he was going to lose it in a way that, you know, was going to become a non-redemptive. Um, but um, it obviously didn't. And then that, that's, 
the, the most memorable, beautiful feeling that you take away when you leave the theater. Um, it's a time to wind up, so I'm going to, but thank you so much for coming here after the screening, and thank you so Can, much. Sorry, could I yes. just say, I'm so sorry, guys, everyone who stuck it out this far. I forgot to say at the beginning, the film is coming out in New Zealand. It's being distributed by Rialto, and it will be in quite a lot of screens. The so 20, tell your friends. 24th tell the of August, you know. quite soon. So if you liked it, please tell people, but if you didn't, don't tell anybody anything. <laughs> If you didn't like it, tell people to watch it so then you can talk about why you didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, how much it. you hate it. You know, you should still watch it. <laughs> yeah, just buy the tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Thank no. you so much, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Francis. Thank you. The talk series is proudly supported by the New Zealand Film Commission, Foundation North, Images and Sound and White Studios. Music for the podcast was provided by Poddington Bear and voiceover is Lucy Wigmore.